Okay, so you are listening to Aim for the Bushes. I am your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And as always, I am joined by my recording partner, Maggie the Mags. And so before we get started in today's topic, uh, just a reminder, this is our legal disclaimer that has not actually been vetted by a lawyer, that the opinions that uh, we offer here are just that, opinions. Uh, they're not meant to be taken as ultimate truth. We're not trying to tell you what to do or how to think. If you disagree with us, that's fine. Disagree with us. We'll fight you over it. But just remember that, that we're not trying to tell you that our way of thinking or our views on a certain subject is the only correct view ever. Okay? So just remember that when you're listening to this episode or any other episode. And as always, we do not have any theme music, but maybe one day we will. Maybe one day that will change. We'll see. We'll see how popular uh, this is. Okay, so for today, we're going to talk about one, maybe two subjects. We'll see uh, what the time is looking like. But uh, one thing we definitely will talk about is our first subject, which involves J.K. Rowling and the Harry Potter universe. I don't know if you've been active on Twitter, but there's been a lot of good memes that have come out of J.K. Rowling incessantly tweeting out alterations to the Harry Potter universe. So what kind of like, I guess, tuned me into this, uh, I mean, I had, I mean, I follow J.K. Rowling on Twitter, so like I've seen some of what she tweets out. I've seen uh, the memes about it. If you don't know what I'm talking about exactly, don't worry, we'll get into it in a little bit. But what brought this to my attention is this video that I watched on uh, YouTube from a channel called Wisecrack. Uh, they have pretty interesting videos. I'll leave a link uh, in the show notes to this video specifically that I'm going to talk about. But just in general, they talk about philosophy in different media. So like film, television, books or whatever. Kind of like they give a good like philosophical analysis of certain things. So I kind of like enjoy that. So go watch their video on this. They'll talk about like specific philosophers that have thought of these ideas because like I will talk about things that are maybe come from like a philosophical standpoint, but I don't have like all the philosophers and like who they are and like specific works and quotes from them and stuff like that. They do that stuff. They're better researchers than I am. <laughs> I'm just giving you my opinions that come from like philosophical backgrounds and stuff. But I don't have all the texts in front of me and all that stuff. I don't really care on my end because I don't think it's important for like the viewer, which we'll get into like another, that's another topic. But they do have all that stuff, so all that philosophical stuff, if you want, they, they, they kind of provide that like backing, which is cool. So pretty much this video about J.K. Rowling was talking about kind of like authorial intent. So pretty much the author trying to control how their work or text is received by an audience. And by text, I don't necessarily mean like word text. Text is any kind of like work that is uh, done, whether it's visual or sound or with words so what they had been talking about like i said has been something that's been going on over the probably last couple of years which is jk rowling uh basically tweeting out little addendums or little alterations to the harry potter universe so the main series of books is done and now we're getting like all this other stuff coming from the author itself further redefining how the universe or how the harry potter series works essentially so one of the things that you may or may not be familiar with is that Dumbledore is gay, apparently. 
right? So this is an issue that was never talked about in the books. I mean, sexuality, really not so much. I mean, you did have like Harry liking like Ginny or whatever. And uh, what was it Cho Chang? I think that was her name. You know, beyond like snogging, as they like to say, like kissing, but then not really sexuality so much. There's not a big focus on that. I mean, yeah, you have relationships and stuff like that, but not a heavy focus. And especially no mention of any type of same-sex things, whether it's two guys or two girls. I, I, I mean, it's been a while since I read Harry Potter. I didn't even read the last book. I saw the movies, but I didn't see the. I didn't read the last book. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so n- none of that was addressed in the series. And it makes sense, I guess. It's like a kid's thing. The first book was written back like in 97 or something. So quite a while ago. So that definitely same-sex relationships was something that was definitely not in like the general like societal consciousness. As much as, it, I'm not saying it didn't exist back then, obviously it did, but how it's talked about now is very different to how it was talked about back then. And I think like, Oh, man. I mean, I remember people freaking out at Harry Potter because it contained witchcraft because <laughs> people did magic. Can you imagine, like, back then in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, if there was a gay element, too, in there? I think people's heads would have exploded. <laughs> I mean, I personally don't have an issue with it, but the people that did have an issue with Harry Potter, they're the types that would have a problem with, like, homosexuality or gayness and all that stuff. They, they, they would have freaking exploded. But anyways, so that's something that was not initially talked about in the books at all, which is fine. It, doesn't really have to be so it wasn't but then rolling one day or rowling one day just decided like hey i'm gonna say dumbledore was gay did you know dumbledore was gay so people see it as like her basically trying to like fit in wedge in this idea that like yes harry potter is progressive because characters are gay and it's like okay that's cool but like where was that in the actual series because this is you know, this is an external text now. This is outside of the series. So it's like we never really talked about that. And I know people were saying uh, f- the Fantastical Beasts movies that had just come out. I haven't seen them. I have no interest in them. But I know people, like I've seen it on Twitter, were saying, oh, that's a place where we can express this vision of Dumbledore apparently being gay in this movie series, although it's not in the books. But, hey, it's another thing that's like attached to the Harry Potter universe. Let's have that in there. But then they don't address it either. So we have this kind of like retconning, I guess we could say, which is like revisioning or revisionism, if you want to if you want to call it that, of like the Harry Potter series by the author. So as pointed out in the Wisecrack video, which I said that you can check out in the show notes, uh, they say that J.K. Rowling is not the first person to, to do this, to try to have the author basically frame how the work is supposed to be taken or how it's supposed to be understood it's something that goes back to like cicero i think is who they 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 quote or cite or any other like old school author so either from like the roman period or like renaissance or whatever romanticism any author because what they would do is they would have um kind of like commentaries like companion pieces that would basically like explain how you're supposed to understand the work. So it's not like a secondary source where it's like another person reads the original author's like work and then gives you like an explanation. Oh, this is how you should understand it. This is how you should interpret it. It's the author itself doing that. So they're basically trying to go back and like tell you how you should understand the work and how you should frame it, what its context is. And that can change from 
the intent of how they originally wrote it, right? They can go back and look at it and be like, ooh, that doesn't look so good now for whatever reason. It could be because, like, they had an opinion that was popular at the time that is now not popular. Like, let's say it's, like, 50 years later, for example, and they're, they're now they're trying to go back and refit their original work to kind of, like, how it's viewed now by a different society or different views that society has held. Uh, it could be something like that, or it could just be like they were unhappy with the original work. We kind of see this with like Star Wars, although I don't think they talk about Star Wars in the actual video itself. But you, you can apply it to Star Wars with the um, special editions coming out, right? Like George Lucas was unsatisfied with some things, obviously, because at the time they didn't have the money or the budget or the technology didn't exist. Uh, to do a certain scene a certain way, and it's like, oh, we have the ability now to do it, so we're going to go back and change things a bit, right? So it's something that is not specific to Rowling herself. It's something that all people do. I mean, you have it now, even like, you know, when people say things, especially if they say uh, controversial statements, right? You see this a lot, where they'll be like, I, I was taken out of context here. This is usually most of the time when they give whatever the additional context is. It's still whatever they said was bullshit. I don't have any like specific examples, but this will be like for another day where I talk about uh, something along these lines. But, you know, they'll generally try to frame something, you know, as like, oh, it's taking a negative view or opinion of, by people. So let me tell you this other thing as to why I said the things that I said, but normally it, it doesn't, you know, add anything. It's still like, okay, what you said was still terrible. But you do have the opposite sometimes. Sometimes people will take people out of context deliberately, you know, and then when you get the full context, then you understand what they were trying to say. So, you know, you could have someone say like, yes, I don't like this certain group of people, right? And you'll be like, oh, this person's bad because they said uh, they don't like this group of people. Right, but they were taken out of context when they said that. So, like right before that, they said, "I would never say I don't like this group of people." Right? That's a very simple example, obviously, because it's just something I'm making up with the top of my head. But it does happen in real life, where you'll take a section of a quote, and then like right before or right after, it explains that quote exactly. But the whoever's uh, trying to make the person like look bad or whatever or whatever their viewpoint is, like they just take the section that they need and it changes the meaning altogether. So there are some examples like that with like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whom I love because she's amazing. Anytime you hear me talk about her, I will always say whom I love because she is great. Freaking love her. Anyways, yeah, there was another thing too. Okay, so she talked about like how maybe you may be second guessing of bringing children into the world. So the thoughts I've had too. It's like, oh, do I want to have kids? Like, but where the world is going, like. Is it a good idea? Like, it's a reasonable question in terms of, like, an existential thought. Like, you know, is it a good idea to bring in kids? And then it gets framed as, like, oh, you know, no one should have kids anymore. You know, like, she wants to destroy families. And it's, like, that's something that's taken out of context because that's not what she said, right? So you're taking a very specific reading of her words and saying, like, hmm, it's not a good idea. Right. And saying, oh, yeah, she's saying that's not good, you know, and then you're going with that. And it's like you're not giving the full. And then you have people who don't think who just repeat that. And then it gets out there as like the wider narrative. And it's like that's not what she said at all. Another example using her is that she's right now pushing the Green New Deal, 
Oh, which is basically a bunch of reforms in order to um, put the U.S. on track in terms of like the environments and all that stuff. Because apparently we don't have much time before it becomes like irreversible within like the next 12 to 20 years, something like that, which is quite a scary thought. Right. And it's something that, again, this is something that's existential. It's not something we can envision. That's a problem with this with this stuff which kind of like speaks to like game of thrones if you watch game of thrones anyone there when you have like the invasion of the white walkers it's something that's so fantastical something that's so out of this realm that it doesn't make sense and at least in that situation you know that's something that's like real or something identifiable once you do see like the white walkers and the army of the dead and all that stuff whereas in the real world there's no manifestation of the environment. There's no like one thing you can look at and say, you know, this is bad. I mean, yes, you can see like rising floodwaters, icebergs melting, polar bears dying or whatever, but that doesn't speak to the environmental impacts that are that that come from like pollution and companies and all that stuff. It just speaks to okay, yeah, some bad stuff's happening, but it doesn't link it to the actual cause right the actual cause itself has no like i said no corporeal form like there's nothing tangible that you can touch and say this is causing the bad stuff to happen right so part of what she had said in the green new deal was like the environmental impacts of agriculture because like cows and stuff um maintaining maintaining food supplies for cows and like pigs and chickens and all that stuff like takes resources and then people cut down forests and like the amazon and suffer grazing lands right like so it has and people grow food specifically to feed the cows and other stuff right so there is an environmental impact and cows apparently like to fart a lot <laughs> and they have their methane emissions now if you've seen that stupid movie which i hate cowspiracy it is not 30 percent of um greenhouse gas emissions are from cows it's more like 15 percent but anyways, she had said that, that like we should cut down on consumption of meat. There's also another video from More News, also another thing. Maybe I'll link to as well in the show notes that talks about this as well. This specific thing that I'm, you know, that I'm talking about right now with the, the meat industry. But she had said that maybe we should cut back like instead of she, I think she said something along the lines of like, well, how about we don't eat like three hamburgers a day or whatever. Right. And then people on the right, conservatives and other jackasses are like, she doesn't want us to have meat anymore. Or they had her like eating at a restaurant, eating a hamburger. She didn't say like, that's where it's like taken out of context. Cause she didn't say no one ever eat meat. Cause it's bad for the environment. She said, don't eat as much, which is again, a problem with capitalism just in general, which one day we'll talk about capitalism itself because it's the root of all evil in our thing. I mean, mainly unbalanced capitalism. Is it possible to have capitalistic system? That is not evil, yes, but it would require people not being evil, which I don't think we can do. Anyway, so there has to be limits to it, but regardless. So she's saying we need to reduce the consumption of meat, which I would agree with. Like, it's not necessary to have meat with every meal or, like, even every day necessarily. I mean, do I eat red meat? Sometimes. I try not to eat every day. I mean, also because it's not good for you, all, like, the fat and all that stuff. I mean, have it a couple times a week. That's fine, but that's not what happens. All food production is a problem again because of capitalism. Where whether it's plant-based or it's an animal-based thing, like we're still encouraged to eat. We overproduce the amount of food that we make because 
of uh, because we have to buy more. Like if you look at things, it's like most of the food that people buy in North America, maybe Europe too, gets thrown out. Anyways, another tangent, which I'm probably known for going on these little tangents about that, but it's because you have to, again, you can't leave out the context of these things, so you got to talk about them. Anyways, so yeah, that's an example of like taking things out of context, right? So then you have to go back and now like recontrol the narrative. Although when we're talking about fictional works, it's slightly different compared to like this politics stuff because that has like an actual impact on the world we live in. Whereas I'm not saying uh, fiction works or works of art don't have an impact, but I would say it's not the same type of impact. It's a different type of thing. So an author wanting to control how their work is perceived is something I understand. People doing it because depends how it's being taken and what the what message they're trying to send out. Because when you do a work, whether it's artistic or whatever, and whether it's film, music, book or whatever you have a certain messenger that you're, you're you're trying to get out and so you kind of like want to control how it's perceived but for me personally i don't believe in authorial intent you can have whatever it was you're trying to say but basically you cannot control how an audience is going to receive it or what they're going to pick up from it they're going to pick up different things because everyone has different experiences they're going to read things just in different ways and you cannot control how someone understands your work whether they misunderstand it which i think it's possible to misunderstand something because any type of view of some a person's going to take has to have backing from the text itself and most of the time when i see stuff like that i don't this is why i don't like stupid theories for things which we'll talk about in another thing like i like i can't like when people say like oh these two movies are like connected or some shit like that are these all in the same universe? And it's like, no, there's nothing. I'm like, oh my god. Okay, you know, that stuff like pisses me off like nothing else because I'm like, no, there's nothing. There's no. You haven't provided anything that links that. Sometimes because people will do like winks to the audience because people want to focus on just like the internal universe that that the work creates, and they don't want to acknowledge the other connection. So, because people will look at the work itself and characters in the work, but they don't look at the connection between the audience and the work, which is something else too. So that's when you have like winks to the audience or breaking the fourth wall that kind of acknowledges it. Because you always have to remember that like every single thing, it's like it's for the audience, right? So when two characters talk or whatever, they're not talking to themselves because they're not real. They're talking to us. So when creators do like winks to the audience or whatever like that is to like acknowledge that a little bit right and so that's when we get into like yeah someone will include something from this other show and then people are like oh my god that means like all you know they come up with all these like harebrained theories that we'll talk about oh man there's there's several things in there i don't have them all right now i know some things like with the simpsons and stuff like that like which is my favorite show but i hate when people make stupid fan theories about things like, those I cannot take unless they have, like, actual things that are talking about in the show that can support that idea. But anyways, this does bring up a point, though, that is brought in the, um, in the, in the Wisecrack video, which is this hyper, like, realistic reading of works. This is kind of, like, what causes, like, J.K. Rowling to come out and try to, like, control the narrative of certain things. And in other works, too, especially now, you have people who want to portray everything as, like, super realistic. 
and like people forget about like the fantastical element of a work of art or just a work in general you know qualified as of art but um yeah so one of the things that jk rowling had said was that um what was it someone okay so in the harry potter universe wizards and the wizarding community i guess don't like human technology they don't like humans or muggles or whatever they kind of like look down on them right so a question that had been brought to her was like why you know if they don't like if they don't like human technology is like well why do they have a bunch of human technology in their world for example it's like why do they have like bathrooms and plumbing in right that's a human technology and stuff like that so why do they have it so a question like that does not matter it's a stupid freaking question but then you have people who like i said analyze these works in terms of like the realism right and it's something that's completely uh, irrelevant to the story of harry potter you don't need to know about why they have bathrooms who cares nothing important happens in a bathroom in harry potter right like yes okay characters talk they, i know they go in the in the bathrooms and stuff but the bathrooms themselves if those bathrooms are not there though the story is still the same they meet in another room who gives a shit so you, now we're focusing on like these little semantic things that don't matter, don't have an impact on the story. That being explained to you will not, uh, you know, change how you understand Harry Potter, for example. So basically, Rowling responding to this basically said, because we have this, I'm like, okay, view of hyperrealism in works, and then also accessibility to creators and authors, like through Twitter and YouTube and social media, like in general, like. Whereas before, like you wouldn't, you could write a letter to whoever, or maybe if you saw them in person, even before that, right? Like, but not to the degree that we have now, and not as many people as as it is now, because everything is like so interconnected. So basically, Rowling trying to explain this, because now we're stuck explaining every single little freaking detail that doesn't matter. Basically, it's it's really funny though. So in a way, I'm like kind of happy because we get these like crazy responses. But in another way, I'm also pissed off because it's so stupid. Basically, Rowling said that like before that like they had adopted this human technology or muggle technology was that the wizards would basically soil themselves, basically would shit themselves, <laughs> and then to like a spell to like get rid of it. Basically, they, so they would literally shit where they stood. Like they would just. Yeah, we were just having a conversation, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to, like, shit myself and then <laughs> cast a spell and get rid of it, which makes no sense, right? But now we live in a world where J.K. Rowling has to explain that wiz wizards shit themselves and then got rid of it by magic. <laughs> and so if you ask that question about, okay, well, why do they have this? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, knowing, even if she gave, like, a response that made more sense... I think the response is so ridiculous because now you have to explain this thing that you never thought you would have to explain. But even if you do have, it doesn't matter what the response is, but now that you have the response as to why, like, how is that any better? Like, what has changed now of our understanding of Harry Potter? And it doesn't make any freaking sense, and it pisses me off. And so they talk about this, like I said, in the, in the Wisecrack video. They do have a quote, which I do not have offhand, from a philosopher who does talk about this kind of like when you're taking in a work of art, you have like your need to understand more and more about that world takes away from the magic of that world. 
So an example, I think the example that the philosopher himself made, like I said, they quote it. And so if you need to know specifically who said this and why, uh, it will be in the video. But basically it's like, I think he said like as when he was a kid, like the forest or whatever, like seemed like a magical place or whatever, like you'd walk in and it was like all this like wonderment. I mean, you could think of your own childhood, like when you would like see like a mall or something, right? Or something you didn't, somewhere you didn't go to very often. It seems like, oh, this crazy special place where like, you know, you can use your imagination and like put any meaning that you want onto this area or whatever. Then you grow older and then like go back to that place and now you understand like how ecosystems work, animals work. Uh, you know, you have gained more insight or more knowledge into this area or to this scenario and now it's less magical or whatever right like you can't i mean you could still fantasize but it's not the same as like this kind of like naive wonderment that you had when you were young or didn't know anything at all because now you have specific explanations for like every single thing and that's the same thing for uh like i said works of art or works of fiction or whatever it's like now that you ask more and more details about this world it becomes less and less magical or less and less fantastical right and it doesn't it starts to take away from the story and then like enhance enhance it it's the same thing that we see with prequels and stuff like that so like when you want to explain the origin of like a certain character right what makes that character interesting is the kind of like grayness around them is the lack of understanding of where they came from and how they got to this point and then you go back and you see like oh they did this and this and when they were a kid they were sexually abused and then you know they did this and then they did that and it's like well now there's no magic and wonderment in the character because now you just realize they've had a let's say a horrible childhood in this case right like it hasn't improved your understanding or what you liked about the character in general. It just explained all that stuff away pretty much, right? And it becomes less interesting. The same thing for Star Wars. We want to go back to Star Wars for a second, right? Like Darth Vader in the original trilogy, so like the first Star Wars film, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, you're like, okay, he's this like crazy, well, he's not crazy, but he's like, you know, he's like this Jedi, okay? You have like the Force, you know, he's someone who was like, gets shit done. He's this imposing figure, you know. He's out to get like our heroes, you know. Okay, cool. He's an interesting character, right? Especially like in the first two films. And then we go back to the prequel trilogy. And then we see him as like a little kid. And we see, oh, he comes from like a slave thing on Tatooine or whatever. And he does the pod race. I don't know. Have you ever seen Star Wars? Yeah, okay. You know? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But did we need to know that? Where he came from specifically? It doesn't improve anything, like having that like origin. You know, so it explains away like all like these like little details where it's like you didn't really need it to be explained. You didn't really need to see his his origin. Like you could have done the prequels and not necessarily have to explain where he came from. He could have just been like, Yeah, I'm Darth Vader, like that's it, right? Like So it doesn't really like at least to me, it doesn't didn't add anything to it. It doesn't make it better. Same thing with the Han Solo movie. I don't know if you ever did you see that, the solo film? Okay, I saw it when I went to Scotland last year on the plane. 
It's a fine film. Like, it's okay. It's basically like a heist movie, but like in it, they like explain Han Solo's like origins, right? We see how he gets his last name, right? It's like little details like that. Like, he's basically crossing like from like a border zone pretty much. And then the, I guess, like border guard or whoever, like when you go through customs or whatever, is like, oh, okay, so what's your last name, right? And he's like, he just had his first name, Han. Excuse me, and the form, I guess, the form, I guess, had first name, last name. And it's like you couldn't leave an empty form or something, <laughs> an empty field, because it wouldn't go through or, or whatever. So he's just kind of like looks at him and like, uh, I don't really have a last name. And then, like, oh, so you're traveling solo? Okay, so we'll put solo, right? And I'm like, that little detail, like this realism of like, how did he get his name? Like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's a dumb name that someone made up. When they're writing the original Star Wars script, Han Solo, something that sounds weird. It's not like what we have on Earth. So we don't need to explain that. We don't need this detailed explanation of things, right? Because now it's like, it just takes you out of it because they're dumb details. Does it ruin the experience of the original Star Wars film? No, not really. But if you're going to watch another thing that talks about it now, it's like it. the movie becomes boring and dumb because we're just getting all these details that aren't interesting. You know, it's like you want to know more, but I mean, when you get the information, it's not satisfying because it doesn't change anything. It doesn't, it doesn't help us. Where are we at for time? Thirty minutes. Okay, that's good. That's perfect. So we won't do, we won't do another thing, also because it's almost three. But uh, yeah. So, like I said, I will have the original video that I watched on Wisecrack there about this. That kind of like talks about framing text from the author and then kind of like the idea of fandom or like people observers whatever audience going in and then asking these questions or how they interpret the thing for this because like the need for realism is a more I, I guess recent thing that you could argue you know in terms of like it's the same thing another thing we'll talk about another day is like the gritty reboot of like films or tv series or books or whatever where they're like okay we're gonna redo it but now it's gonna be in a realistic tone a la from like the dark knight or whatever which for some things can work but for every single thing like no it takes out because like like i said a work is done for an audience too so when you have these fantastical elements no they don't make sense because it, it, something like that wouldn't happen in the real world but also that's why it's like a work of fiction that's why it can be fantastical whether it's animation, a painting, a sculpture, it doesn't need to be expressed like it would in the real world where you have to basically follow natural laws of science and physics and all that stuff and chemistry. Like you don't need you don't need to have it. So we're we're gonna leave it there. We're only gonna cover just that one subject today. So this is a little bit of a shorter episode because we're not doing two different subjects, but we will talk about that. Like I said, another day, like gritty reboots and stuff like that. Just before we do end, though, this will be touched on like later in another thing. Because I did see someone made a fan trailer for The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as like a gritty reboot <laughs> styling thing. Which you could take find funny like as like an idea of comedy. But to me, it wasn't played like as comedy. It was played like as like sincere or whatever. Like actually like redoing it. But And I didn't find it interesting because I'm like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is not about like... Because you know, you know you have the theme song, you know, in 
in uh, West Philadelphia, born and raised, right? And they talk about, you know, playing on the basketball court at school or whatever, and then you got into some trouble, right? Who are up to no good, started making trouble in my neighborhood, right? That's fine. That's all the explanation you need. So, okay, some shit happened, and then, okay, you go to L.A. That's just basically to frame the story as to why this person from West Philadelphia is in Los Angeles or Bel Air area, right? That's fine. That's all we need. And then this greedy reboot thing, like, had him, like, and I know it's not official. It's, like, a fan thing. But still, you know, had him, like, you know, his mom's all stressed out now because there's, like, these gangs in West Philadelphia and stuff like that. And, you know, like, there was, like, a shooting or something, right? And I was like, okay, no, you have to go to, like, Bel Air to get out of here and stuff like that. And I'm like, a story like Fresh Prince does not need, like, this gritty realism, too, because it was never about realism it's a sitcom from like the early 90s starting like will smith just basically being a doofus i'm not saying will smith himself is a doofus but will smith on the show all right that's what makes it funny like having it as like a gritty reboot even if you want to make it a comedy still or whatever like can it work maybe i'm not saying i'm not i'm not saying i'm against different interpretations of a work i'm for different interpretations but just basically Having something as being just realistic, quote unquote, because even that is a stylistic choice too. There's no such thing as realism, but that's just weird. That's weird. And it doesn't work. I don't like it because, again, we're not, it's for the audience, right? Like, we're watching it. It's not real life. If I want to watch real life, I'll just go down to some rough area of town and, like, watch people, like, I'm watching TV or something. All right. That was a little mini tangent for you there, just in case, uh, you know. You wanted another one. But yeah, that's where we're going to leave it. We're going to talk about re- gritty reboots a la The Dark Knight. Another another time, another day. We'll get into it. A long form. And you can listen to that if you want. So we're going to leave it there. Like I said, just as a reminder, as our non-legal legal disclaimer, that any opinions that we gave on certain subjects, whether they're more serious subjects or less serious subjects, uh, they're just our opinions. They're not necessarily telling you how to think or how to feel or whatever. You can disagree with them. You can agree with them. That's fine. We're not here to tell you how to think. We're not here to present ultimate truth or say that any differing opinion is not necessarily as valid. Depends on what that differing opinion is. But again, we're not trying to tell you that what we say is right and there's no other way to think of things. But yeah, so I've been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as J-Pav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And like always, I'm here with my recording partner, Maggie the Mags. And so yeah, that's it for now. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace.